then. So I'm sat here at Dragon Meet 2017 in London, in Hammersmith, with Matt Dawkins, with Eddie Webb, and with Dave Brookshaw, who are working on various different games. We've got Matt is working on V5, and he's running a, a few demos today. Yep. Uh, Dave is working on Mage, Deviant, and other things. Yeah. Yeah. And Eddie is, running, is working on, well, for World of Dark no, for uh, Chronicles of Darkness, you're working on... Uh, I, I just did uh, some Requiem stuff for Rose, for um, uh, the Covenant book. Um, and did some fiction as well for uh, uh, Thousand Years of Night. So I'm working a little bit on Requiem still, I've got my hand in there. Um, Thousand Years of Night was a really good read. Yeah, it was great. Um, uh, I'm still doing a bit of oversight on helping uh, uh, Matthew and Neil on uh, the Beckett's Jihad Diary, kind of helping them out a little bit. Um, but yeah, a lot of my, right now, a lot of my focus has been moved to Pugmire, um, and uh, I'm also helping to oversee the new Story Path games. Yes. So giving it okay. all, how to, to Scion, Trinity, uh, they came from the sea, so on and so forth. And you just um, wrote all Deviant's Eternal Fiction. That's true, yes, I did write you. Um, yeah, but my, my, my not quite superhero pastiche. <laughs> so we're sat in the, where are we sat? We're in the lounge area, hence the interesting background music. Um, <laughs> um, so how's, what do we start with? How's V5 going? Uh, V5's a very interesting project. Uh, we've got a very good team on it. Um, Ken Heights, uh, myself obviously, Jason Andrew, and uh, along with Jason Carl, Martin Erickson, Kareem uh, Muammar. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's uh, going very well. It's a nice um, mashup, I guess, of uh, vintage vampire themes along with the modern era. Um, definitely we want to get back to the streaks of grime and bloodstains of first edition, um, but there's certainly going to be healthy doses of metablock because some people like that throughout the book. Um, the initial release of V5 will be the core book, the Camarilla book and the Anarch book. They'll be released uh, simultaneously with a bit of luck and a good win so that players, storytellers can actually choose the type of game they want to play. Uh, Camarilla, at this point, the way we're writing it, is definitely gearing up to be the power, um, power players, di diplomatic players. You are the man, you're cold, you're a shark, you're a predator. Anarchs is going to be the, um, the struggle, the Lost Boys, the, um, the vampires movie where you're on the road. So we are aiming, pitching two different themes across two different major source books on release. So you can basically play the vampire game you want out of the box. Because the camera with what was set at Border Dance Berlin, the, they're, they're kind of in the modern setting, they've kind of retreated a little bit and become yeah. more of an elite club. But that's yeah. because of, that's a reaction to metabot things like the Second Inquisition, isn't uh, it? Yes, so the Camarilla uh, come V5 has become a more strictly elite organisation. They have basically said if you do not abide by the traditions and will basically determine whether you're abiding by them or not, you're an anarch now and you do not gain our protection. So Camarilla domains kind of closed down. Um, meaning there's greater division between Camarilla and Anarch, and of course Sabat, who are off doing their merry little thing. Does that offer, because one of the things I found at World of Darkness Berlin quite interesting, because I only got to see it at a distance, being, mm -hmm. a, being 
one of two lone technocrats in amongst a bunch of vampires was the the Church of Cain. So one of the things I'm kind of I'm excited to see with this kind of re-establishing where the boundaries between sets are is yeah. some smaller more focused sets which will be expanded upon in future. Yeah, uh, that's right. There'll be various sub-factions within the sects. The Church of Cain is an interesting point and there's a part of the metaphor I can't uh, reveal right now that will uh, impact how the Church of Cain is present within some Camarilla domains, especially given that in all previous editions the Camarilla was, I guess, well, secular as hell. Yeah, Martin said as much that it was to get that option that you could play more religious vampires within, with relating to the camera yeah. or the Anarchs. Yeah, well, the um, interesting thing, and this is something I always go for with vampire, I like to see how a clan impacts a, I guess, sphere of human society. So we always look at the Ventru as affecting, I guess, finance and politicians. Torridor is the night scene. Bruja are the other punks, the street dwellers, etc., etc. So... The um, that religious part of the uh, infrastructure or what have you is something the Camarilla games never really touch. If you mm. wanted that, you would be generally playing a La Sombra, for instance, or a follower of Set, perhaps, and you never had that direct clan merge with faith in the camp. So now you. Nice to see the Malkavians do something with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always got the impression that, like, I always got the impression that the Camarilla just didn't actually believe in the Antediluvians. Well, that was the that was the line they were hammering home, and I think they found difficult to argue because that's absolutely wrong. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah, it was the great lie. The elders leading the Camarilla wanted to subjugate the the fledglings within it by saying. All these myths are myths. We are the only people you need to believe in. And recent events, like the Ravnos Antediluvian in uh, the Week of Nightmares, kind of blow that theory out of the water. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, what was interesting to me, though, is that a year ago, two years ago, I remember we were talking around similar lines, both for this and for Chronicle Starkness, the idea of it's really hard to have a monolithic conspiracy cover things up anymore. That was very 90s. Yes. Very yeah. X-Files. We can't really do that this day. And a year ago, a lot of this stuff we talked about, like, yeah, of course, anything comes up, how do you tell people boldface that didn't exist? And yet, in the modern environments, you know, the fake news, Trumpisms, it's like, I also, I'm wondering, maybe in a weird way, we're cycling back to some of that. You know, they had the elder vampire with enough power behind him absolutely say, you didn't see this, and go, no, we didn't see that. Well, and, and, so, and although it's messy to do in a story sense, there's absolutely no reason why your fourth generation Ventru isn't using presence, nine dots of presence, on his court to tell them something, and they all just passively believe it. Right. Yeah. I mean, from a mortal perspective, yes, we see Trump and some of us believe what he's saying and therefore it affects popular perception. Some, not some of us at the table, I expect. <laughs> but there was a line in the Guide to the Traditions about what happened uh, in India in the World of Darkness and um, how nobody really noticed that it just said, like, yeah, there was a major movie released that year. <laughs> that, that week. Right. <laughs> so... Uh, it's, it was strange. Uh, I guess the revised handling of it. Well, at one point, um, it was like a, a massive explosion did happen, 
in the setting and it didn't appear that the authors, the writers or developers of the time had necessarily coordinated on how each game would respond right. to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, which um, creates an interestingly schizoid approach across game lines, which isn't necessarily incorrect because, again, yeah, everyone's going to find some rationale for what's going on. And in the sense of V5, the rationale now is... Yes, it's true, and yes, we have lied to you, but we're still the best thing you've got. Uh, we are still the keepers of the traditions, and we're the only people who are keeping you safe from the Second Inquisition, so sorry, uh, but we were just doing it to protect you. And so there's a nicely abusive, yeah, there's a, a very abusive feel to, I guess, princes in V5, because you know they are shit, you know they're not looking out for you from a place of love. But they are still the only people that can coordinate the the mess of vampires in their domain. Plays with the security versus freedom argument. Yeah, I think the other thing which is exciting about you know with the church cane and those bits and having those that that room to put these bits of material into the setting is there's stuff that comes from say dark ages vampires. Be interested to see how those groups and very small like heresies and so forth how they've maybe wormed their way through the ages and maybe yeah. be a snake head that pops up and it's like, oh, we forgot about you and now you, um, you're back because uh, everyone's retreated back to their little castles. One of the things we're putting in the uh, core book, well, across all three books, I think are these things called lore sheets or uh, we'll probably rename them something else. They're present in another game, um, the name of which escapes me right now, uh, which is very bad. But this will be our main point of historic metaplot. One page per lore sheet that will be, let's say, you are a descendant of Hardstadt. And so you'll get a little bit of blow about who Hardstadt was, what he did, and what's happened to him now. And you'll have five ranks, seven ranks actually, because it's a tree. You can choose which way you go. That will give you some kind of ability, some kind of oh, bonus. Cool. So you basically incorporate the metaplot in your character build to to interact with the game setting. Now, you can, of course, choose to play a game of V5 and dismiss all of that entirely, but these are free powers, so you can take it, have something like Descendant of Mithras, or you are a survivor of the Week of Nightmares, or this or that, and it automatically embeds you in the metaphor. Yeah, so yeah. things like Church of Cain, one of those lore sheets is going to be um, the Church of Lilith, yeah, okay. which will probably change the name of uh, to some degree. But the, um, especially in LARP, it appears that uh, the Linen or uh, Bahari and the like are quite popular. So, yeah, we're wedging them back in despite that they were a very fringe faction in the Sabbats until, until the Gehenna book. And mm -hmm. um, we want to use the good stuff from that to give players more options. Uh, so, yeah, you'll see a lot of sub factions appearing. Cool. Okay. I think that covers anything you're mostly allowed to say. Yep. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> yeah, we'll stop there on that bit. Um, <laughs> how's Deviant going? Because you told me a fair bit at UK Games Expo. Uh, I'm missing... I think I'm missing two first drafts now. So um, okay. uh, the book is now at the point where I've spliced all the Word documents together and it is actually a book. Okay. Right, sitting down and reading. Um, yeah, it's um, it's turning out pretty well actually. Um, there's a lot of people that I um, uh, because the other second edition game that I oversaw 
uh, was quite early in the cycle. Yeah. Um, and was um, one of the first Onyx Path games. Yeah. Um, because like we started Mage Second Edition under CC under CCP. Yeah. Before yeah. it was actually a second edition. Right. That's, what, that's when I read the Chronicles stuff. So there's lots of uh, new, uh, there's lots of now experienced writers that I've hired for Deviant that were not working for us when I was first putting together the team for Mage. That uh, I saw their submissions come in and was thinking, like, I must hire them at some point. And then they got hired on um, Promethean and Geist and, um, and Scion. And then um, I've managed to pick a load of them up for, uh, for Deviant. So it's, it's good. It's, uh, we, um, when I first took them on, I wasn't aware, um, I, I didn't really think, like, how much unused sort of potential source material for a Chronicles of Darkness or World of Darkness game was out there, but Deviant has, like, a very strong niche that is all over the place uh, yeah. in media. So I have a list of about... I don't actually tell the uh, the powers writers this, but I have a list of about thirty media characters. Okay. Um, that if I can't build them in Deviant system, then um, then there's something wrong with the system. That, that's actually a good so, way of developing a game. Is like here, here are the the cultural touchstones. People are going to want to make yeah. characters like these. Can we do that? Yeah. Um, so like uh, I, I want to um, I want to be able to make the fly obviously yeah and, um, and I want to be able to make Buffy uh, and I want to be able to make the dude from, um, prototype and um, yeah and, and, uh, and quite a uh, quite a big varied list I want to be able to make the invisible man yeah and that stuff like splice and yeah. Tetsuro the Iron Man. Yep. That, uh, yeah. Tetsuro the Iron Man. Yep. Yeah. And the more famous Tetsuro. Yeah, Tetsuo. Yes. Akira. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, we are we are getting closer and closer to our our uh, Neo Tokyo apocalypse. True. Yeah. Um, so um, it's it's a lot more. Um, Matthew was saying something earlier about. Um, how the, the world of dance is trying to get back to the blood on the uh, blood on the concrete yeah. sort of thing. And um, although Deviant is a more, you know, it's more directly confrontational, so there's more of an expectation that it will be an action game. Yeah, it's okay. more of a werewolf than it is a mage, mm. for example. Um, it's very much, um, uh, we have a violent system, not a combat system. Right. And, um, although it is a more violent game, um, it's still very much within the um, violence in our games is a bunch of people hitting one another with crowbars in a back alley sort of thing so it's, uh, it's a lot of uh, blood and oil on the concrete mm. <laughs> <laughs> cool okay nice. and then May, what's in the future for Mage right now uh, so um, <laughs> Because I've, I've lost track, to be yeah, perfectly honest. So, uh, when Deviant is at a phase where. When Deviant is at a phase where it's not with me, um, I am um, doing mage books. So, uh, we're going to get the outline sorted for the Toga of the Pentacle 
which is the um, the source book about the Pentacle Alliance. Yeah, about the, the which are, who are the main player characters? The, the majority of player characters would be the Pentacle. It's like um, it's a history and society book for the for the sect. Yeah, for well for the two sects. Actually. Yes, uh, because the Pentacles an alliance of uh, of, of two of them, and. Um, because Mage has been really well served by um, books about the individual magical orders. Yes. But it doesn't have a book about how they interact. With yeah, because there's a, there's a lot you have to go through about how the Nameless Order becomes the Free Council and the, the yeah. Great... Was it the Great Refusals? When they yeah. were offered yeah. to become... Right. Yeah. Mem- you know, join with the Seas. And that's, that's the point where I go, if they joined, they'd be the technocracy. And so, they're not. <laughs> Awakening has actually quite a detailed in in-world history yeah um the mage orders have changed more than the uh, mage orders of awakening changed over time more than say the traditions did mage the ascension um at various points there have been seven or six or yeah four orders like they, they pass in and out some of them half of them have fixed historical create origin points yeah okay. and the others date back to like vague conglomerations of people so we finally have an excuse to actually do a, a history chapter right okay in a um, uh, in a major book that should satisfy um, a lot the, of fans uh, adds all that sort of thing together so like um, when the Tremere were expelled yes and when the Mysterium formed out of the two historical orders and uh, mm. who created them and uh, hmm. If we have room in it, then we'll give the um, character creation notes for the keepers of the word and the pancryptids, who are the two pre mysteriums, mm. and things like that. But also um, things about how complications work, how the um, pentacle organizers, because mages, um, uh, how mages travel and interact with people outside of their immediate Because we had that. Back in oh, which book was it? Sanctum and Sigil. Did, was it Sanctum and Sigil had some of that? Sanctum and Sigil is mostly about the cabal level. Yeah. Um, so um, Term of the Pentacle and Sanctum and Sigil go together really well because Term of the Pentacle is going to be about the convocation level and um, how different concilia um, interact with one another. Yeah, can you, you can get cases where you have multiple, you can have more than one facility within the same city, and yeah, that obviously yeah. leads and to fun. We're going to have the, um, uh, we're going to have uh, our biggest, most complicated example city writer, right? Okay, uh, in it, which is the New York setting, which we want nice. to get to the core book, and I think the core, mage core books fiction is set in the New York setting, right? Which is um, so big it has. Um, two silver ladders. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that, that sort of thing. Um, just as our um, uh, to, to round it off. With. And then after that, uh, the uh, the next announced book is uh, now that uh, Changeling is rumbling its way through its Kickstarter. So yes, it's got lost. two weeks left. And Geist is nearing the end of development. Um, <laughs> yes. We have. Uh, Fallen Worlds, which is Mage's um, other world book. So the chapter about the Shadow World, the chapter about the Underworld, the chapter about the Hedge. Did we have? Did we not have a book like that? No, nope. we had Astral Realm. 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Wrong, yeah. that's also a, a World of Darkness book that was just about the underworld. Yeah, that's it, but great. It wasn't quite get Because nice. that had that had so much, right? So many cool powers for every. Splat. Yeah, it sounds like this is going to be the expansion yeah, of that. that and yeah. there was a uh, there was a blue book. There was a, a core World of Darkness book for just the spirit. World. Yeah, book of spirits, which was basically a refinement of Predators, Wealth of Sacred. So there's been bits and pieces, yeah. and um, there's obviously been a lot of stuff in other uh, game worlds, but we haven't had things like um, uh, mages that go exploring in the Shadow Sky. Oh, okay. Like, talk to, um, mm. talk to celestial spirits and things who, who have been mentioned, um, but they've never been looked at because the shadow has only ever had a core book. The shadow has only had a full write up in a werewolf book or in a mortal. Yeah, in a blue book. Thing, so, mm. uh, we do a thing. Um, cool. Yeah. Lots of fun stuff. And, yeah. then... and now the change is finished, we can do the hedge in it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, because guys, this is we can do the underworld. We can do the new underworld in it. It'll be yeah. It'll be interesting how much of the stuff from the underworld book, Book of the Dead, goes right. back into guys and gets refined with everything from Mage and all that. I think that's one. That's the nice thing about Second Ed Chronicles of Darkness is how you can see that kind of refinement. Of right, you can build things. on what's before, and that's a tweak which didn't work last time. We definitely because I, I wrote the Ghost Rules for Geist. Yeah. Definitely read the Underworld book, right? Uh, I think, like I, I read the Book of the yeah. Dead before uh, yeah. before I did it. Uh, the Underworld description itself was by Neil, right? Raymond Price, um, and he definitely read the uh, Book of the Dead and Guy's first edition before he yeah. did it. <laughs> so, you know, the Ocean of Fragments oh, and yes. things are yeah. indeed they're, they're definitely in Guy's second edition. Be, I'm looking yeah. forward to hearing, how, well, seeing how the uh, Caraboy get expanded upon and other entities which live there but never had a reflection in the real world because there's a whole thing about ghosts of you can have ghosts of people that are actually still living then there's it'll be interesting how guys intersect with the mechat and their ghostly entity they have in the mirror all Uh, these other little bits which uh hollow mechat yeah yeah well i don't know how much um Glad to get Eddie is there. I'm just theorizing. Right. So I, see all I, I know all that stuff. So I'm putting well, it together. I, I don't know how much I can tell you. No, no, I, I'm stuff. just theorizing. Like, it'd be interesting how Geist might say something about the Duat, obviously, yeah. from Mummy. Because, again, that's ah, a, uh, a realm Duat, within a realm. Uh, the Duat is a lower deck. It's not in the other one. Okay. <laughs> Heard it here first. Right, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, I mean, I, I think it talks to a larger point, which I think you, you keyed in on, is that when we did the first editions of these games, they were done more or less in isolation. I mean, we knew that there was a, a larger world, we wanted to reference that, and there certainly were products that touch on those connections, but a lot of those came much later in the cycle, and so May didn't get a lot of the benefit of that development. Vampire certainly did not get a lot of development with that prop development. So, the Underworld was invented for Mage. Yeah. Right. There's like two spells of the Mage First Edition core book mentioned the Underworld. Yeah. And yeah. then nothing. Uh, it got mentioned, and uh, then. There's a little more mentioned guys. in yeah. um, one of the, the book that had all the paths in it. Yeah, to um, the Watchtower. From the yeah, Afric. Right. But then, um, and I think uh, Promethean mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah, mostly yeah, because yeah, of the references. Because, the because there was always this kind of. Because I remember, well, both Mage and Promethean being worked on. Uh, there was this kind of expectation of, well, we'll do our Wraith game at some point. And when Promethean went out and we saw a pretty strong critical reaction to it, not necessarily a sales reaction, but a critical reaction to it, it was like, oh, we, ha- we don't necessarily have to remake 
the existing games. We can try new stuff. And then, so when guys come on the table, you just, the, like you say, the stuff that they talk about in Mage was definitely implying a Wraith-like underworld. And then what we got in Geist was, was a bit different, which is good. I think it was a good revolution. But again, that early stuff was inspecting something that didn't come about. And so now we have retrospective you can go through and consolidate, clean up. And also just quietly remove some stuff that perhaps didn't quite age as well. <laughs> yeah. So um, the Geist first edition core book mentions offhandedly a couple of times animal ghosts. Yes. Um, and then a mage book called Summoners that came out around the same time as Geist. Uh, mentioned things called Chthonians for the natives, the yeah. native non-ghost entities of the underworld, who are... I was about to make a Grim Fandango reference, and that would Ooh. be bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, Grim Fandango's amazing. But um, they're, they're the native entities of the underworld that aren't, that aren't former humans. And, um, and Geist didn't mention them, uh, but Geist in second edition, we've got both of them in it, because we've We've been through also everything Geist, that was written up for ghosts in previous books. Because it also, I mean, that evolution of Geist also means it can tie in quite neatly with uh, Demon of Descent. Because it's the ghosts, there's the ghosts of the people you've, you know, you've stolen their lives and their souls from that happens, or the patchworks that, like, they're people that don't exist, but they have a ghostly reflection for whatever reason. I can imagine there's lots of weird little bits that'll finally. Geist, because that's one of the things I like about Geist is. As a Geist character, they're quite easy to slot in with each of the other games because everyone messes up and mostly kills someone or something. And then there's a ghost yeah. and it's like, I can't deal with this, who do I turn to? Yeah. And it's like, I think that sort of, um, uh, that sort of detail, we can take things that have been written for a setting element in other game lines, look at them and then incorporate them into the second edition of the primary game. But that kind of... Like um, how the new how ghosts of living people interact with hollow mechat through themselves like an optional thing. Like that kind of thing is really reliant on like a dedicated crossover chapter. Yes, yes, mm. <laughs> uh, and it's highly arcane um, <laughs> um, to, to focus on that. But yeah, um, that that does tie into the Contagion Chronicle, of course, which yes. is oh. um, coming um under my uh, sturdy hand yes that's the promethean no no no, 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 no. crossover chronicle oh yeah um it's now called the contagion chronicle it will be for all intents and purposes its own line essentially of what the 13th i guess um core book um no i, I couldn't even tell you i think 12. it's around oh, 12 okay um so yeah uh, i won't go into it in too much depth because eddie's turn <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's the worst segue ever. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the um, but the Contagion Chronicle is uh, focused on crossover between all the lines, and will hopefully, undoubtedly, it will be impossible to address every single possible uh, variant of crossover. But we will be pulling on all of those little bits of minutia, yeah, from the yeah. different games that touch on each other, because we do need a good reason for these uh, entities to work alongside one another. 
Um, in some cases, you can just hand wave and say there's no reason why they wouldn't, and I think that's perfectly valid. Many of the groups are less antagonistic. In Chronicles, oh, are definitely. Less antagonistic. When compared to World of Darkness, most certainly. I mean, but... Mummy offered a really good option for that, where you could have like you've got your cult, but it's like yeah, have a have a Mecca in there, have an Assyrian Promethean yeah. in there, have a, a mage uh, maybe. I mean, I don't think it ever even states it in the rulebook, but at least I, everyone I've ever spoken to that's done it in Mummy has just said Sybaris. Uh, and yeah, the, your negative effect on the people around you does not affect other unnatural entities. It's weird that you, because uh, Mummy and Mage are the only one, because we did it for Dark Eras, mm. Mummy and Mage are the only two that have that sort of detailed crossover mechanics uh, chapter actually done. Mm. Um, it's the one pre existing one. Yeah. Uh, so I can't remember if we sent the Mage's review to it. Uh, I, I, I assume it was taken as read. <laughs> but um, so yeah, that that will be an interesting book. It will undoubtedly be a challenging book to put together. So I'll uh, I'll be hiring only the best, looking at the people across the table, <laughs> uh, to do my work for me. And uh, awaken supremacy. Quick <laughs> <laughs> like um, But I guess the the thing I want to avoid, but also call on, which is a bit of an interesting approach, is the infinite crisis. Uh, method of crossover because you want an existential threat right. um, for the storytellers who don't just want to put these people in the same group for the sake of it. Yeah. It can't just be the world is about to end so these super friends need to team up and defeat <laughs> the anti-monitor because that will feel artificial in the Chronicles of Darkness which is very personal in its horror. Are you saying the God Machine isn't I the think, oh, no, well, I, the thing is, because the God Machine is so pervasive, I think it can be a very personal horror. Yeah. And therefore, the contagion is essentially when the infrastructure starts really breaking down, warping, and becoming something wholly unseemly. Oh. But the entities that are present in the Chronicles of Darkness, our protagonists, are the only ones who are direct witnesses to this. Uh, this is where your innocence, I suppose, your true um, uh, blind mortals are going to be oblivious to the fact that infrastructure is uh, screwing everything up around them. But when a vampire goes to his favoured vessel and drinks from it and his blood tastes like battery acid now, uh, he's going to wonder what's going on. It's because infrastructure is yeah. changing thing. It's changing things. It's going wrong. And the only person you can really speak to about this is this werewolf who has observed the same thing, or this Promethean. Yeah, because I imagine thing. if you've got that happening, a, a werewolf could immediately go, oh, that's surely like, uh, you know, someone that's a clay, you know, someone's being claimed by whatever materialistic machine-like spirit. But actually, if it's not that, they go, the next poor call is, is it an Idigan? Because that's also yep. freaking weird. And then when it's not that, that's when a werewolf mostly really shits their pants even more, because Idigan are scary enough as it is, because they don't fit. Oh, and our full intent is to so this is basic outline stage so with the caveat that this could change we want to put in five very colourful appealing splats uh, so your core covenants or tribes or what have you um, in the game that are the reasons these people come together and have done oh, throughout history cool. but you also have three antagonist splats so reasons why Strix and Idigan <laughs> and Schwanksen might work together as well in response to it. That is a massively weird team up of, of yeah. antagonists now, there. Well, no, wait, 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 didn't we do a short story of like 
uh, uh, all the mages possessing people and the strix possessing people all meeting in a group. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, one of the stories, I think it was it's in, in the strix uh, anthology. No, it's in the. Uh, it was a hunter the vigil thing. It right. was in. Um, Oh, what's it called? Horror horror remains? The Horror oh, Recognition yeah. Guide. Oh, right. One yeah. of the stories in the Horror Recognition That's Guide it. is a group of seers of the throne who are possessing a bunch of mortals yeah, using the their profane urine. Yeah. Running into a group of Strix. Weird. Yes. Who murdered them. And it's, uh, it, it's just that we, we, we appear to have bitten off more than we can chew, lads. Mm. <laughs> but uh, as you talk about this stuff, that, that story popped in my head because yeah. we've always flirted with this stuff. It's like, but, what happens when the antagonists run into each other? Well, my, yeah, biggest, yeah, yeah. my biggest source um, for this book is the Horror Recognition Guide. Okay. Because it's one of the few books where we have so much crossover because it's a hunter book. Uh, so they are bound to encounter these various creatures, and interstitial terrain is a large part of that. Yeah, because that is that can be directly translated now that we have the God Machine as a more permanent threat. Um, what happens when the God Machine starts altering reality? Yeah, things start slipping over, or you start slipping over there, and you can start getting into trans-dimensional games. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you can make it as existential as you want, or you can make it that yes, your herd now tastes like battery acid. What are you going to do about it? So um, it will have varying varying level of threat. Dave, which bit should I read? Because oh, I mostly missed it. Then which bit should I read where it mostly explains how mages interpret mummies and the nameless empire and the Schwanson and the so the, Shani- the, the, the mummy page mm. crossover thing. Was from Dark Eras, was from the first Dark Eras. Yeah, okay. A uh, an era in the Dark Eras companion. Right, uh, okay. Which is about 16th century Mozambique. Okay, I need to delve back into which, that. Which uh, was a made for crossover dictated by um, Dark Eras Kickstarter. Yes. Uh, which then, um, yeah, gives the opportunity to actually do the rules. So we have rules for. Uh, that, that has rules for like major stealing pillar points out of movies and um, what they uh, like, uh, what they think of one another. Although, because it's a dark era, it's mostly the nat- it's mostly the um, uh, the native mages and the movies who walked down from Egypt several centuries earlier. Versus the Portuguese movies and mages. Oh, okay. So it's, okay. It, it's not the two. Uh, it's not the two game lines fighting one another. It's um, and the contagious more yeah. nuanced. I was going to say with the contagious chronicle, I, can, I think there's definitely a crossover. That's I think I mentioned the and I think we've mentioned on the podcast before the the kind of how mummy and Promethean are kind of like the animated person but coming at very different routes. Right. Yeah, there, yeah, there's and a strong alien feel to both of those lines because you don't have the, or the human origin was so distant yeah. or broken up, uh, whereas the majority of the other lines have a direct connection to you having been human yesterday. Yeah. Um, I think if you add demon in there, then those three have a very interesting conversation about what are they because they're masquerading yeah. as human but let yeah. yeah, not quite. Right. And, cool. Um, then you get things like um, changing the deviant to seem yes. like a a nice fit to talk yeah, about. They, they, they seem a good. Um, uh, they seem a good 
thematic merger. So and I remember in the outline, you talked at great length about how, okay, this is how we're not Changeling, this is how we're bringing yeah. something new to the table, because Changeling is very much about uh, surviving abuse. Um, uh, Deep is basically about going back to your abuser and punching him in the face. There's a very different <laughs> approach. <to that>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see. I can see some summer courtiers some talking to some deviants. Really get on with summer courtiers for uh, bridge burn. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, have we covered a lot? I mean, what else is Eddie allowed Eddie to say? That animal games. Animal games. <laughs> animal games. Dogs. Dogs are awesome. I mean, so I mean. Pugmire obviously is doing well. Um, I just heard back that uh, um, they were at uh, PAX Unplugged, um, yes. and, and a lot of people were really interested in Pugmire, which is great because that audience is not our traditional audience. Um, one thing we've seen is that uh, we go to Gen Con, and you know, Gen Con's lovely, we, we love going there, um, but also we see a lot of the same people show up at the booth every year, so that's people in the, uh, the um, uh, panels every year. Uh, that's much more of a show about getting our hardcore fans the latest news, latest information, you know, telling them we love them, having them, you know, come and, and see their newest stuff. Um, whereas Pax Unplugged is people who don't know what a role-playing game is. Yeah. I've never played one before going, what is this? Um, and so it's been interesting because I never... When I first pitched Pugmire, I never expected it to be an introductory role-playing game. It was just... This would be a fun game. I'll do one book of and move on to more serious projects. You know, that was the original idea. Um, Rich was one who very much felt like, no, it could be so much more. And as through Kickstarter and now as through sales, we're definitely seeing a lot of people who are becoming interested in approaching the hobby through that respect. Um, but also people who really love World Darkness Chronicles Darkness, those deep emotional, uh, gut-wrenching games, and maybe want to change the pace. Um, while I still feel like Pugmire has a lot of depth to it, um, it's a different kind of depth. Um, uh, one example uh, I always tell people is that, um, that like, Monarchy's a map. Uh, uh, I, I very much approached it a bit like Vampire, in the sense that it's a much more political game. You know, there are factions, they don't get along, there's a lot of politics behind. But with Vampire, there's implicit, I'm going to get what's mine. You know, it's like, it's, it's about really enlightened self-interest. Is the, If everyone does what I say, then everyone will benefit. Um, with Monarchies and Mao, it's very much along the lines of, we see the benefits of getting along. I would like to get along in a slightly better position over you than you have. But in general, we do want to work together. We found this value in working together. Um, and so the, the self-interest becomes much more of a seasoning rather than a core motivation. Um, and so while there's, while there's, on the surface, very similar structure, you have different factions, they have different viewpoints, they have different goals, and they're sometimes in conflict with each other, sometimes working together. There's a different underlying vibe that make, gives it a very fresh feel. So it's, it's nice to take some of these concepts we've dug into. We talked before about like, you know, here are these core concepts that we're going to remember, the Masquerade and Deviant, and being able to approach them by taking a new property like uh, Pugmire or Mount, or to even move on to some other stuff and looking over like Scion, yeah. you know, Trinity, whatever, um, uh, and, and really kind of, of digging into that. So, so on the one side, like on the Pugmire side, on the creative side, um, I find that that very kind of satisfying and fulfilling, both the reaction we're getting and also it's just it's just a different way of writing, a different you know it's it, it, it's a it's a nice change of pace from dark gritty noir. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, the other kind of portion of my job right now is um, uh, uh, I, I'm the 
what we're nominally calling in-house developer for Onyx Path, which is basically um, when, when things are on fire, uh, <laughs> uh, I get asked to look into things. But also um, some interesting dynamics come out of that. Like one of them is that because we now have uh, three um, story path games in development simultaneously, and it's a brand new system. We have we have Sign Trinity and they game from the scene. Um, we found pretty quickly that there was no one who was completely involved in making sure that these mechanics were consistent and cohesive and made sense across all three games. Uh, Neil was kind of doing that, but he was interfering with his ability to actually make Scion. He would constantly be like, okay, I need to think about Trillian again, I need to think about Scion, I need to think about Fake Cam, I need to think about Scion again. And it was really struggling with it, so I kind of stepped in to say, okay, let me go ahead and take that off your plate and synthesize all of this. Um, and to the various teams' credits, this, this, there wasn't a whole lot of work there, but it, it, we're finding increasing value of, oh, hey, we wrote this bit on they came. That actually works really well for Scion, so yeah. let's use that, te that technology as it were. Um, you know, Trinity you know, has this different approach to armor. Okay, well, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let's just go ahead and use Trinity's approach to armor. That maps very well to this piece and this piece. Um, and we've never really done that as a company. I mean, even with Chronicles of Darkness, it was closest to it, but even then it was kind of hodgepodge and a handful of people that all kind of generally kept the system going, but it, until Rose came along, there wasn't really one person saying, the system will do X. And really, Rose kind of only got that, well, she, she's in terms of the company, but also because she set the groundwork with Requiem, like, this is what Requiem's doing, and so now we're gonna do this. Um, but uh, that was that was more of a, a metal line approach than a, it, the system will always be X. Yeah. It's the first time we've really said, okay, these are completely diverse lines, there's no crossover between them. Yeah. But we want to have the, the house system look consistent between those games. We make sure that if I pick up, if I play Scion, I love Scion, and I want to pick up Trinity, I don't feel like, oh, okay, it's, it's Scion, but with these handful of rules changed. So it's more a framework, whereas like Chronicles of Darkness, it's the, the core engine that has right. to maintain, because it thematically supports, you know, things like humanity yeah. or various, however you represent what's particular to your creature being less, more or less human. Right, I and mean, that because we've seen such good value on the Chronicles of Darkness side. We've seen the fact that this very similar game system can move from something as, as grandiose as Mage to something as intricate as, as Deviants. You know, I mean, uh, the idea that you can take this system and flex it in different directions, you just tweak a few rules, you know, approach things from a different angle, and you get a very different experience, but players still like, oh, I know how these dice work, I know how the character sheet looks, yeah. I don't feel like I have to learn a whole new game, I just learn a couple of new bits. Or oh, they don't have to grab a whole set, set of dice that have weird symbols on right. them. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> so the story path system then is what you're using for your... Where they came from beneath the sea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, well, to add on to what Eddie's saying, it's not built into any of the three games so far that are using story path, but... If we have a cohesive core system, there's no reason your characters from the Trinity-verse can't then fight creatures from beneath the sea or encounter heroes from yeah. Scion. Right, um, I, I think we're probably at the stage of, it would take a little bit of uh, hand-waving oh, and eyeballing mechanics, yeah. but you could do it pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, They Came From Beneath the Sea is a very exciting project, much like with Deviant. I'm at the point now where I have got everything printed. And in my naivety, I was thinking, well, all of these drafts look really good. Uh, I'm at red line stage, but all these drafts look really good. So I guess I just need to make sure it reads well. But now oh, what I'm doing... Summer child. <laughs> Summer child, yeah. Right. But while, uh, and all credit to the writers on They Came From Beneath the Sea, it, re it does read very well. What I'm spending the time doing now 
is development at redline stage to make sure it actually works as a game. Uh, and that's the that's the thing, uh, I guess, foolishly, I wasn't expecting to do at this point. So red lines are going to take a little longer than uh, I expected than they would on a source book, for instance. But the hope is that I can then return my these red lines back to the writers and their final drafts will just be polishing. And after that, I just need to have a good read-through and make sure the... Um, any problems have already been addressed by me at Redline stage. Um, but the, the so people that mostly haven't heard anything much about yes. this game. So the pitches, pitches. Uh, if you if you like B movies, if you like sci-fi, and you like horror, specifically the 1950s and 60s, uh, it is the game for you. It's uh, it is ridiculously rubbery costumes, uh, strong-jawed heroes. And uh, 20,000 leagues beneath the sea. With it, a... it is exactly 20,000 yeah. leagues beneath the sea. Clocking a lobster man on the jaw and uttering a natty quip when you do it. And in fact, to the point that quips are a mechanic in the system where if you will take quips and it will enhance your dice roll as a. Are quick. there rules for giant matchsticks like in Land of the Giants? Uh, there are actually rules for giants because Eddie wrote them uh, <laughs> for giant creatures. Have you started a killer tomato? Um, yes. We don't have a <laughs> One of the writers wanted to put a killer potato in, but I didn't really find, think they were seaborn. So, yeah, so, yeah, uh, that, that's true. Killer seaweed? I mean, um, we, seaweed. Do, we have some killer kelp. Good, okay. Uh, yeah, we do have some killer kelp. I guess just need to watch Blue Planet enough and then and you'd be like, mutate that. I talk, Richard, I only talked about is that if they came from the seed as well, then we could do different variations. They came yeah. from Behind the Stars, they came from Under the Earth, you know, so. Yeah, small uh, men, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, it wouldn't always have to be camp. The system is... Oh, this no. game is written around a certain period of uh, cinema that nowadays we look back on in an MST3K style and laugh. But you could easily do a Hammer Horror style. Oh, yeah, I've been watching tons so recently. So they came so. from beyond midnight or yeah. the like, and yeah, you would yeah. actually have a proper Harker and Van Helsing and Fury of Dracula style Dracula, not Vampire the Masquerade or Requiem style Dracula. Um, uh, can to be showered it, in so it, it would also then, because of the, the fact that you're not, you know, because Chronicles of Darkness and World of Darkness support a very particular thematic form of horror, then but this game would maybe be better for things like, uh, I'm thinking of like uh, Argento's kind of like Italian yes, style. Definitely, I love Jallo movies. Or uh, Demons. Or yeah. um, I mentioned demons, it at Gen yeah. Con, non-sploitation movies, exploitation <laughs> movies. Any exploitation movies are good by me. Um, I doubt I'm going to be able to do They Came From Beyond... Oh God, I, I don't want to say anything particularly offensive, so I'll stop the myself. Colon. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. They, yeah, they came from beneath blank. Um, they but, came from beyond the Mediterranean. <laughs> uh, that's, that, yeah, I think that, that's as diplomatic as we're going to get. Oh no! Um, but the the point is that this this game is so focused on movie media yeah. that you can really gr grab onto any genre and make it into this game because the mechanics are there to support you. So if you want to replicate, let's say, the stone tape yeah. or crater mass... Yes, definitely. Or yeah. if you really want to go for something classic, because it... Um, well, I think it was, what, is it 25, it was 25 years old? Um, maybe it isn't. Um, Ghost Watch. 
Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The yep. classic, the original not... found footage. Yeah, and Ch- uh, Children of the Stones uh, and all of that. We also talk about things like um, uh, uh, Portly Era, Doctor Who, is another kind of Yeah, yeah this, uh, They Came From Beneath the Sea is very much, feels like Pertwee Era, <laughs> and that suits me because that's my era of Doctor Who, not yeah. my age, obviously, um, <laughs> just the one that was being repeated at the time. I know exactly the feeling <laughs> of that one, yeah. <laughs> Sylvester McCoy was technically my Doctor, yes. but I don't acknowledge that. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday mornings, BBC, thing, yeah. Sunday mornings, BBC oh, Two, Doctor Who, Percy and Tom Baker, yeah. McCoy fan, you're fired. Paradise Tower I think that covers the everything, because the, um, <laughs> the trade hall is being open for an hour, and I think you're itching to buy stuff before we actually have to run games, mm. so we're going to leave it there, so thank you for sitting down with the weird music okay. and chatting, <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll follow up with cleaner audio and more in-depth you know, interviews when you can say more concrete things about stuff, as always. And one day you'll be able to question me about the uh, egg spawn dropping uh, primordial. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, yes. In Beast. In Beast, yes. Oh, was that you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, you're all still there. <laughs>